0: I prayed for my kids that they would have a good day at school. I start to pray for you. If I know something specific that I can talk to God on your behalf about, I start to pray. So I would encourage you to give me your prayer request so I have something else to pray. during this, this week's passage, I came across something else that I, I need to pray for you. And it's something else. I'm going to reveal it to you in a little bit. But it's something that I want you to pray for me as well. Your, the, the take-home truth, the thing I want you to remember uh, this week is pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to look a little bit at what do we should be praying for each other. Uh, let's pray right now and ask God's blessing on his word. God, I thank you for your, your word. Thank you, God, for what you have taught me in this, uh, for what you're gro- you're growing me in, even just in the fact of, of what to pray and how to pray for the people of this church. I pray that, God, we would see the, re- the common result in their life as well as mine is what you were looking to see in the lives of the people that Paul is writing to. I pray that, God, you would, again, you'd give me your words to say that anything else that doesn't need to be heard would fall by the wayside, but, God, that you would, you would be be glorified and that your, your word would be made known and we'd live it out in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, two parts to this message, part one and part two. Part one is that we're going to be looking at that Paul praises God for active faith. He's praising God for the active faith of the people that he's writing to, to the churches in Asia Minor, which would include the church of Ephesus, but as we saw a couple weeks ago, this could be applied to churches everywhere, which which I would say includes the church in Plevna as well. So, Paul's praising God for the active faith of the church in Ephesus in the surrounding area. In verses 15 and 16, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul is praising God. Why? Because he's hearing about their active faith. Uh, Paul came across uh, many of these people in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. He was there for up to, I think, two to three years. But it's been about two or three years since he's started seen these people because he went to Jerusalem. He was led into Caesarea as a prisoner. Finally, getting to Rome where he spends two years. But I think that whole process of getting to Jerusalem all the way to Rome is about five years. So I'm guessing between two and three years Paul has not seen these people. But yet he's hearing while he is in prison about the faith and the love that they have for all the saints. This isn't just hearing through the grapevine, hey, you know, Josh got saved. Yay. This isn't just hearing that people are, are, are putting their faith in Jesus, they came forward for an altar call. This isn't people who are signing their name on a slip of paper and putting it somewhere and saying, I, I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. This is faith that is active. It's faith that it's living. It's faith that Paul is hearing, not just that they put their faith in Jesus, but they are living it out in their everyday life. And Paul is praising God for that. People are probably saying tall in the face of persecution. There are people who are turning away from the goddess Artemis, the great god of the Ephesians, to follow Jesus. But at the very least... Paul is hearing about the love that they have for all the saints. They have faith, and they're demonstrating an action through loving other people. Now, this passage doesn't state specifically what they did. It doesn't say that they started dumping food on somebody's front porch and knocking and running uh, because they needed food. It doesn't say that their cart broke down and they decided to stop on their way to services to help them. So it doesn't say what it is that they're doing. It just says that they have love, and they're demonstrating it. To the to each other, and Paul's hearing about this uh, in Galatians six ten. Paul has written one of the churches in that area. Paul has written to. Uh, he says these words, and this is kind of what these people are putting into practice. Paul says, as we have opportunity, you know, when those opportunities arrive to to be able to bless other people in your family of believers, he says, do good to them, especially those of the family of faith. And these people are following this thought that Paul has. We see people in our church that are in need, and we're going to bless them. Paul is in prison, and Paul is hearing about this. He's not just a cheerleader though. He's not just a cheerleader on the sideline saying, yes, nice job, good, go for it. I'm going to sit here and drink coffee with my buddy prisoner, my buddy guard while you do all the work. Paul is somebody who's active in living out his faith as well. In Philippians, just the next book over, a few pages over, It says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, which is his time in prison, what what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Every time Paul got hooked to a new guard, Paul said, Hi, my name is Paul, and shared the gospel with them. I mean, I don't know how exactly he did that, but his goal was with every opportunity he had, even though he was wrongfully in prison, said, I'm going to proclaim the name of Jesus. So he's a cheerleader for them, but Paul is actively living out his faith. He's praising God for their faith. He's praising God for the love that's demonstrating that faith as well. Well, guess what? We should be doing. We should be praising God about the faith that we hear that other people have, and the love that's being demonstrated uh, through through their actions that demonstrate the faith that they have. Now, I don't know. I don't know how many people here. No raising showing of hands. But I don't know how many people here just get welled up excitement, like in your gut. You just get that excitement when you hear somebody get saved. Now, I don't know how many people go yoo hoo awesome! You're like, that's nice, let's move on. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, but it doesn't well up this excitement. Uh, maybe some people are, are skeptical, if I could say the word, skeptical, uh, is that right? Skeptical? That this is, this guy's really saved, that his life is really going to be different. Uh, but even if you are not willing up with excitement when you hear someone get saved, or even our moments for missions, how many people just got excited when they heard that there was this, uh, the dam was completed? Anybody get excited about that? No. Nobody was like they didn't leap inside of you this overjoy excitement. Well, tell you the truth, I didn't get overjoyed either. Okay? I mean I think it's great, but our moment's permissions time is not just a time for these people to prove that they're doing their job. It's a time where we together should be joining with them to say, praise God. Praise God that they're still there. Praise God for the safety that they have. Praise God that they have the people to to, to do the work that they're they're asked to do. I mean yesterday at the the conference they got up and they shared a little bit about the ministry that they're doing about the war that's going on around them and that this hospital is kind of like the neutral zone where they're, they're off limits, so to speak, right now. Praise God for that. I don't have to be willing up with excitement in order to do that. I hear someone gets saved. I hear somebody does something for the Lord. Uh, I should just say, praise God. That's what Paul is doing. Based off of what he's hearing that these people are doing, I, at the very least, should be saying, praise God. Now typically, when I hear about things, and I, I've said this to a few people, when I hear you guys do certain things, um, anybody here remember hearing the, the phrase from my lips, no good deed goes unpunished? Okay, there's a few of you who have heard that, and sometimes because that's something you, nice you've done for me, but sometimes that's because I've heard you do something nice for somebody else. And my, my vision, typically when I hear people do nice things, is horizontal. This is my vision. I, I I will give you kudos. Sometimes I'll pass your name along to somebody else to say, if it's pertinent, this is what somebody else has done. But my vision is normally horizontal to say, good job, you are doing exactly, you're living out your faith, whatever it is that God's asked you to do. But my vision really should be more hor- vertical, right? I need more verticalness to say, praise God that somebody made a meal. Praise God that somebody plowed the driveway. Praise God that somebody came and picked me up when I had a flat tire, I should be—I tell you—but my, I'm learning, being reminded, I should be praising God because of what He's doing through you, through the faith that you have, and the way that you're demonstrating that—that that love to other people. Paul's praising God for that, but we should be actively having faith ourselves. It should be known in this church that I have faith. Not just that when I was five years old, I prayed a prayer, and I was 11, I made sure, and I got baptized, but it should be actively demonstrated that I have faith in this church. Your faith should be actively demonstrated. You should be living it out in love. And I know showing love you know, to family is typically fairly easy. You know, this, this, this past week, uh, one of my kids forgot something at home while he's at school. You know what? It's not that big a deal for me to get in my car and go and help them, bring them back their school book. Now, doing things like that to me is not that big a deal because I only work one day a week. I admitted that in Sunday school. So, I have lots of time to do that. But if we think about showing love to somebody that you don't really like, you want to stop what you're doing to go drive to school to give somebody something? Probably not that that much. You don't want to. It's it's hard enough to stop by to help somebody that you love with a flat tire, but how much more with somebody that you don't really like? Do you want to help them, even if they're a believer? You're like, yep, yeah, sorry, you're on your own. I gotta go. But this is the love that Paul says you guys are demonstrating. This is the agape love that. Is thoughtful and purposeful that we should be demonstrating that we should see demonstrated in the lives of other believers so that we do good especially to those who are in this church around us to those who are in other churches around our area that love jesus so first thing that we should be doing is praising god for the active faith and the love we see demonstrated in other people the second thing we're going to see, and this is where uh, I, I talk about praying for me as I pray for you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 21. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what I'm asking you to pray for me and what I am going to pray for you is that you may know God better. The, uh, Paul, is, Paul is praying this for the people. He's praying that they would have help from the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, "I want you just to try in your own and your own strength to just I got to know God better." And I'm going to read, and I'm just going to put all this my own energy into this. He's praying that the Holy Spirit would help them to know God better. You know, there's there's truths in the scriptures that you cannot know, that you cannot understand without the Spirit's help. You can read and you can study and you can try to figure it out, but you need the Holy Spirit's help in order to be able to do this. And he says, I pray that you would have wisdom, that you would understand the deep things of God. And there's a lot of deep things in here. Uh, I'm reading through the New Testament, kind of like the Old Testament, trying to ask all these questions. And when you read slow, and you look at it, and you ask questions, you're going to find out gobs of things that you don't know. Whether you've been to Bible school, whether you've read the Bible a hundred times, you're going to come across things you don't know. Paul's saying, I want to pray that you are able to understand those things. That's what I'm praying for you that you will understand those things. That you will have a better a, a, the spirit of revelation that you're going to better understand and know who God is. Salvation that you are experiencing his love for mankind that's what Paul's praying for the saints this is what I'm asking that you pray for me and this is what I'm going to pray for you that you would ultimately that you would know God better obviously if you know God better your life is going to change to become more like God so that's part of it but like I said you need the Spirit's help to do this but that doesn't mean it's only the Spirit's job to make you know God better you have a part to play everybody's got a part to play to know God better now I want you to think about something anything you want that you want to know more about okay Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I want to know more about the Old Testament right as we've taken this Old Testament class I've talked to to Darren and and Scott at different times I'm like man I just want to know this better I want to know the chronological flow of the Old Testament what do you want to know about you want to know about the Cowboys? Just kidding. The, the Broncos? You want to know about uh, the, the equipment that you use for work? You want to know recipes? You want to know uh, what do I got to do to get my music online? What is it that you want to know? I hope everybody's got something in your mind that you want to know more about. Okay, everybody got something on their mind? If you did, you can come up and get an M&M's, okay? Unless you already got one now what do you do when you want to to know more about that I'm guessing probably 85% of you do this you go online right you want to know something you're going to look online to find information right that's not too far from the truth I'll get on my phone I'll get on the computer but I'm going to see what does the World Wide Web have to tell me about what I want to know Some of you say, I don't do that computer stuff. I'm going to talk to people. I know so-and-so knows about ranching. I know so-and-so knows about sewing. So-and-so knows about music. I'm gonna go just have these conversations with people. And there's people who will try anything and everything in order to find the information that they want. And that's that's kind of becoming me. I'm, I'm searching everywhere I can think of to get the chronological viewpoint of the Old Testament, the order of the Old Testament. I, I talked to Darren. Darren, he got me a, a chronological Bible I'm going to read. I, I've gotten some books. I even went to the, to the extent of knowing, of, of, of contacting Bible schools to say, what do you use as you do an Old Testament survey. What books can you recommend so that we can know the chronological uh, view of the Old Testament? Anything I'm thinking of, I'm trying to do. And I bet you guys do that same kind of thing with something that you're interested in. Now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn as anything special. I have actually a point I'm trying to get to. And I hope I hope it irritates you a little bit. What You're, you're talking about yourself like you're something special. Okay? Remember that. I'm talking about myself as something special because it's not just me that's, that's got this potential. Anyway, before we get to that point... You know, when you go to the doctors, why do you go to the doctors? Because they know stuff about medical stuff, right? I don't know anything about medicine, so I'm going to go to a doctor. When it comes to anything computer related, 100% of computer stuff, I have no interest in whatsoever. I go talk to Noah. I'm like, you just do it. Whatever it takes, you download it, or you make all this happen, I just 100% go to Noah. If I if I want to know anything about ranching, I go talk to somebody. I I don't I don't I don't know it in myself. I don't want to look it up. I just go and I talk to the experts. Well, you do this at school. I talk to the history teacher about history. I talk to the English teacher about English. That's their area of expertise, right? That makes a lot of sense. Because you can't know everything. Well, a lot of people when they look at the Bible. They say, well, I'm going to go to church, or I'm going to turn on the radio and listen to David Jeremiah because he went to Bible school, because he gets paid to do this. It's his expertise, and so I'm going to go listen to him or to her tell me something about the scripture. That's all I need to do. Just like the mechanic. Just like the, the the rancher. I just go to the source and I get the information. Well, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't really work that way with God's Word. God's not expecting you to just come on Sundays and then hear from me with what I have to tell you that I learned. God wants you to get into His Word on your own and learn it for yourself. And that's part of what Paul is praying is that you would know God more, not just because somebody preached it at you, but because you saw it for yourself. Yourself. <clears throat> through personal experience. You know, God created you to have a relationship. God gave you his word in order that you can know him better. Not so that I can know him more and explain to you more what God's like, which is part of what I do, but he wants you to have your own Bible. He wants you to read it. He wants you to pray and on your own have that personal relationship with him. I hope you understand that. I hope you know that you're not just relying on me or David Jeremiah or your Sunday school teacher to tell you something about God. That you do it on your own so what do you need to do you need to read it okay I'm also almost getting to this point of this irritating Josh part okay you need to read it in 1st Peter chapter 2 verse it's actually verses 2 and 3 says like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good how many of you are glad you don't have a baby in the house You know, I love babies. I do. I love two and three year olds. But when I think about babies and I think about them waking me up in the middle of the night, crying because they're hungry. No, thank you. I'd like to sleep all the way through the night. But what does a baby do? It says you, I want you to desire God's word like a baby craves pure spiritual milk. That's going to wake up in the middle of the night and cry until it gets what it wants that's what a baby does he says i want you to crave god's word that way now you might be sitting there thinking like i don't want to read the bible i don't even want to listen to you josh i am just here there's no way i'm going to crave pure spiritual milk i don't i don't even like to read well let me tell you something this is where the irritating josh sits in your seat with you right now I know exactly what you feel like. You might look at me right now and say, no you don't. I promise that I know exactly what you feel like. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every single Sunday. My dad was the one preaching. I sat there, mostly in the front row, thinking about everything else. I thought about girls. Boys, think about girls, right? I thought about football. I ran a whole mile, literally a whole mile after church, home. As soon as we said amen, to watch Seahawks lose. So I know exactly. I, I didn't. I hated reading. I didn't want to read anything. But now look at me. Look at where I'm at today. How did I get from your seat to here? pretty big question right this is where the irritating has to go by the wayside because i didn't just well up inside myself and said boy i want to read god's word and be a preacher it had nothing to do with me it was it was reading god's word a little bit because i had to and and learning and getting a better grasp of it and i it's just it's an acquired taste i have a twin brother i think he was born with the bible in his hand right? Because he was a guy who, that's what he read was the Bible. He was like 19 years old off preaching. I didn't even have a thought in my brain of doing something like that. Me, it was an acquired taste. And if you're sitting there thinking I don't even care about reading or reading the Bible, it's an acquired taste for most of us. You've got to just spend time reading and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. That's what you've got to do. So now that I'm, I, I went from a guy who's sitting in your pew thinking great, it's Sunday again. Great, I got to listen, i got to read my Bible, to the guy who's calling up, or uh, emailing Bible school saying, hey, help me understand the chronology of the Old Testament. I just am saying, I'm a living example of, of, of somebody who said, ah, who said, I don't care, to being the guy who's trying, well, welling up with excitement right now, trying to throw that at you, right? There's that big a difference that God has made in my life, not because I'm special, he can do exactly the same thing to you. If you taste and see that the Lord is good, but you've got to spend time reading it. You know, in Acts seventeen eleven, Paul talks to the Berean churches. Say they checked out daily to see if what God said was really true. You follow along with your Bibles and see what is. On, if what I'm saying is accurate, you see it from yourself. It starts to be an acquired taste. You you memorize it. You just put it in your brain. You study it. You do what I keep doing. I keep bringing up Darren and sometimes Scott. We wrestle with these things that we are learning in the Old Testament. We discuss it. Jason and I talk sometimes about what we're learning. You do these kinds of things. It starts to acquire a taste in you that you say, I want to know more. I want to better understand God. And I want to have that relationship. God will help you to do it. It's an acquired taste most of, for most of us. But you spend time reading God's word and you can go from there to feeling excited about God's word like I am today. So Paul's praying. That's what I want for you. I want you to be excited about God's word. I want you to know God better. And that's what I am praying for you in the mornings when it's still dark and I wish I was home sleeping. When I'm driving my little yellow bus. I hope that every time you see a bus you remember to pray for me. And remember that I'm praying for you that I want you to know God better. Paul's is praying that, that the eyes of the saints will be enlightened, that they will know the hope to which he's called them. You know, Paul is writing to people who are believers. They already have a relationship with Jesus, but he says, I want you to understand better what that salvation is. I want you to understand better where you are going and to what you are going to have. I want you to understand better more of what you deserved and what you're going to get to enjoy for all eternity. The more you understand that, the more hope that you have, the more excitement you have. uh, And that's what Paul wants them to have. That's what I want you to have. That's what I want you to want for me. He says, I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance. Now we talked about last week a little bit about that inheritance, about becoming a child of God and getting the, 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 the inheritance up in heaven. We are going to enjoy for all eternity, the more you understand that, the more exciting that can be. But also, the inheritance of how, of how God sees you. It says, in verse 18, That you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. It's God looking at you like an inheritance. Wow. You know, I mean, I know God loves me. I know God paid the price so that I can have salvation. And, but the more I understand that He wants me in heaven, that He feels like He's going to be happy with me there, the more I appreciate who God is. The more I want to know His Word, the more I want to put it into practice. And Paul's saying, I want you to understand these things better. He says, I want you to know His incomparable great power for us who believe. You know, it's it's easy to read the Bible and say, well, it was different back then. You know, I, I know that God led the people of Israel through the promised land. You know, I, I to the promised land. Through the Red Sea, He parted the Red Sea. Anybody here ever see that done lately? No hands? Okay. Uh, Jesus fed 5,000 people with seven loaves and two fish, something along that. Anybody ever get a meal from that lately? Nobody. No. Um, People have been raised from the dead. Anybody know anybody who's been raised from the dead? You know, it's real easy to say, that was then. That's not now. But this verse says, it's the same power that was living in then is living in now. If you if, if this is ringing a bell, there's a, a song from Jeremy Camp. It's uh, called The Same Power. And I might, in my sermon snippets, I might put that link there just so you can find it. But it says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us. The exact same power then is inside of us. Not that we're going to accomplish those things. We may do some of those things if God chooses to do that. But it's the same power. It's the Holy Spirit working then is the exact same Holy Spirit that's in our lives today as well. It's the same. It's the same power that righted my ship. It's the same power that took me as the saint heading to hell. That worked in my life to make me a saint in God's eyes, heading to heaven as one who trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and set apart for the purpose of God. That was power. That was not me. That was the Holy Spirit doing something in my life to take me from what I was supposed to be to what now I am going to be. It's that same power. That's going to help me to live for Jesus. It's that same power that's going to help me do it. Ephesians 2.10. To do the good works which God prepared in advance for me to do. I can't do any of that stuff on my own. I can't even get out of bed on my own. I can't breathe. I can't sing a song. It's that same Holy Spirit living in me. That's going to accomplish something. It's the same power, as as Paul says in verse 21, that set Jesus above every authority possible, above every name, every position of authority. It's the same power that placed all things under Jesus' feet. That same power is living in me. Paul says, I want you to understand that not be I mean the more you understand that the more you realize you know how much God loves you we talked about last week he put that seal in you that guarantee that you are going to have salvation you know the, the people who appreciate their salvation the most are the people who went from who are like on death row you know the people who lived who've done every possible crime and realizing what they should have had you know it's, I, I will admit it's, it's probably the hardest for like a preacher's kid Right? Who, who grew up in a Christian home. You know, I never robbed a bank. I never cheated on a test. I, you know, I didn't ever do a lot of these big, you know, things. I just, I had my own problems. Don't get me wrong. I had my own sins. But... The the magnitude kind of seems different by comparison, and that person appreciates God more. So I need more prayer, right? I need more prayer to understand better what it was that God saved me from, what it was that I was still deserving as much as the guy on death row. It's that same power that guarantees my salvation that helps me to live a godly life. That same power is the Holy Spirit. It's not me. The same power that took me from being the, the person in the pew who doesn't care at all to the person who wants to proclaim it as often as he can. So I just want to encourage you. This is a picture of my office. If you want to go upstairs and look at it, uh, this is my com- that's my, my computer. This is part of why I have it. I know you can't read this, but it's saying these verses, 17 through 19 about what I am praying for you. So I am reminded four, five, six days a week that I'm praying this for you multiple times throughout this day. And I ask that you would pray the same thing for me, that I would know God better and I would better understand his word and what it was that that God did for me. And then together we can praise God for the love and the faith that's demonstrated in our actions on a daily basis. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray right now. Father God, I do thank you for your word. God, I I do. uh, I know you do a lot of great things through people. um, Through through the ministry, through just conversations, um, to accomplish your will, and I I thank you for that. And I just pray that God, even if it doesn't wall up some kind of emotion in me, that I would still take the opportunity to say, praise you, God, and thank you for doing what you did. God, I want to pray for the people in this room or whoever could possibly be watching this or listening to this someday that God, you would help them to know you better, that we better understand what your scripture says, the deep things. And God, as I've said, this is, for most of us, it's an acquired taste. And I pray that God, we could develop that acquired taste very quickly. We could pick a passage of scripture and read it and study it and talk about it and ask questions and memorize it. And I just pray that God, for anybody who's listening, listening to this who says, okay, Josh, you said this is how it works. I'm going to do it. That you would just bless them with the ability to enjoy your word, to, to understand it and to, to see how it fits into their lives as well. I just pray for this and I pray for the rest of our days that you would keep us safe as we go home and, and bless our time with our families and whatever it is that we are doing as well. I just thank you for being our God and being our Savior. Please help us to live for you for, for the time we have left. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.